We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. As always, I am the host. Uh, ready to dive into uh, this week three matchup with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I hate Thursday night games because the following week just seems like it's the longest week ever. Uh, but we are uh, happy to dive back into a future game as opposed to talking about the Chiefs game for the last seven days, it feels like. Um, joining me to do that are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, we'll start with you, man. Uh, how are you doing tonight? Doing good. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I would like the longer time, so it's more likely Herbert plays uh, on Sunday. Yeah. So that's not the bad part of playing on Thursday night, but definitely ready to get back into the Sunday schedule for as long as we can. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, the the extra time is, is a good for Justin. It's good for Corey Lindsay. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about all of that uh, down the road in this episode as well. Uh, Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? Doing pretty well. I figured with the extra days and not having to play on Thursday night football that I have all this time to prepare and watch film and tell you all about the Jaguar schemes. And, you yeah, know, that didn't happen because life happens sometimes. But you know what? We're going to do our best. I think we all have something to bring to the table today. And I'm excited for the week. It sounds like we have a lot scheduled on the podcast this week, whether it be, you know, guest interviews, player interviews. I'm going to have someone talk about injuries. We have all sorts of stuff going on this week. Um, it's going to be a fun one. Can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be a, a busy week. We did consider uh, kind of pushing this episode back uh, until we had a, a firmer understanding of Justin Herbert and all the injuries and stuff like that. And then it was like, well, we have this and this and this and this. So uh, you guys get us on Tuesday night as usual. So 
sticking with the uh, routine. So, uh, like I said, we're here to preview the Chargers and Jaguars game. We, of course, will talk about uh, Justin's injury and, as well as Corey's and how those uh, two things will change things. I'm, I'm sure there definitely will be some schematic changes. Uh, but first and foremost, we are going to dive into uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars offseason and be able to kind of revisit some things and, and you know, make sure I mean, everybody kind of knows about the Urban Meyer situation. Um, and Alex is going to have some fun with that as well as talk about his guy, uh, Doug Peterson. Um, but we'll be able to kind of give some insight, hopefully, into really what you're seeing on a week to week basis from the Jaguars from a, a coaching standpoint, from a player standpoint. Um, and, and do, a, like I said, a mini a sort of mini deep dive as we do every single week. Uh, do we have a there we go? We have that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well done, Tyler. Uh, this is uh, one of my favorite parts of the week every single week, seeing what Tyler uh, puts into these things. And as, as well as the thumbnail, we got a, an appearance from Virgil Green on uh, the thumbnail today. So mm. I appreciated that shout out as well. Um, all right, let's uh, let's dive into these Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, and Alex, we'll uh, kick it off to you, man. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, head coach Doug Peterson, familiar with that guy, uh, a real NFL head coach, unlike uh, the last guy they had, unless uh, that's said about him, I think the better at this point. But no, Doug Peterson, I think, has come into uh, Jacksonville. He was me and Tyler's uh, coach of the year pick when we did our picks. And I think the expectation was just, you know, you have kind of a, you know, proven head coach, you know, who is going to kind of try to recover this Jacksonville situation as best as possible. And obviously it's a very small sample size, but through two weeks, the Jaguars have looked a lot better. Obviously you talk about the win versus the Colts last week, but even versus the Washington uh, commanders in that loss, uh, they just had a lot more opportunities for explosive plays with their offense that they run with Press Taylor and Doug Peterson. Um, and I think we're just taking whatever the defense was willing to give them. And Urban Meyer and his game plans was a little bit less than flexible um, and then tried to kind of play the same way every week versus you see Doug Peterson taking advantage of, you know, what Gus Bradley is giving him with the Colts defense, what Jack Del Rio gave him, you know, the previous week, um, drawing up underneath stuff for Trevor Lawrence as well. Um, and you sort of have seen Trevor Lawrence blossom from that. So uh, I think that that is really the concern coming into this game is that, if you just looked at the Jaguars roster and you were like, okay, well, you know, the Chargers roster, even with the Herbert thing, even with the Corey Lindsley thing, assuming both those guys play, even if they're not 100%, I think the Chargers should be able to get through this one. But what really scares me is that, you know, Jags have actual NFL coaching and, you know, even a defensive coordinator and Mike Caldwell, who um, is kind of getting the best out of his defensive line play right now. Uh, Josh Allen, uh, the Jacksonville Josh Allen playing really well. They're getting uh, more out of Trevon Walker. Arden Key is, you know, a pretty vi uh, viable, you know, three-man front that they have there. Uh, so that I think, especially considering we don't really know about Corey yet, we think Trey Pipkins will play. We don't know what percent he'll be. Um, that does scare me a little bit, not as much as some uh, previous Chargers offensive line matchups debacle, but uh, I, I do think the Jaguars being a better coach team, probably being a slightly healthier team right now than the Chargers. Um, that is really, I think, the trap game, you know, nature of this uh, thing going into it. You talk about special teams as well. Uh, you have uh, Jamal Agnew there. Uh, and, you know, overall, the special teams uh, for the Jags has been pretty good to this point. So I don't know what's going to happen um, regarding the coaching staff, uh, but 
for me, I think what you just see is that the Jaguars are a very well-proven commodity at this point uh, in their coaching staff with Doug Peterson and, and the, addition, the additions they've made. Yeah, I, I'm a little glad that the Jaguars won last week against the Colts and beat them in pretty good fashion. So you don't overlook this op opponent. Yeah, it's the Jaguars. You know, it's historically like Rivers beat up team, um, but <laughs> it, they played pretty well. I know they're one and one. They didn't lose to a, you know, a great team, uh, but they did get one and one and they looked pretty good last week. And then Trevor Lawrence right now, you looked at him last year in terms of now, did I watch Trevor Lawrence film last year? No. But in terms of the numbers, he was bottomed here down there with Wilson, with Fields. He's seventh in just an EPA per player right now, right in between Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts after two weeks. And yes, that is after two weeks, so things can change. Um, but their offense is ninth in the EPA per play, and their defense is fourth right now. Even when the Jaguars were really good on defense, they really never had the offense to quite pair with their, with their defense, and they made the playoffs and, shoot, almost made the Super Bowl. Now, do I think the Jaguars will make the Super Bowl? No, but they're playing a lot better. Like your quarterback is top seven. Your offense is top nine. Your defense is top four. That's really, really good. So that's a real testament to the coaching staff. And then, of course, the additions we'll talk about in a bit. Yeah, you know, I, there was that graph that I showed or that I shared earlier this morning um, when you're kind of weighing the, the EPA per play, DVA per, uh, per game, of course. Um, from offense and defense and how that combines and the Jaguars are in a higher quadrant than the Chargers are. So I think there's a lot of different like differences there, obviously, right? You know, you're playing the commanders and the Colts and as opposed to the Raiders and the Chiefs, who I think are objectively better teams than what the Jaguars have played. But um, there's no question that the Jaguars have exceeded expectations. And I think um, this is a really smart offensive coaching staff and, and a so far, it seems like it's a really smart defensive coaching staff as well. But um, just a really uh, great blending of, of styles and ideas on this Doug Peterson-led staff. Obviously, Press Taylor was with him in Philadelphia, was with Frank Reich last year uh, in Indianapolis. But then you have Jim Bob Cooter, uh, who actually replaced Joe Lombardi in Detroit. Um, Jim Bob Cooter obviously uh, has kind of bounced around a little bit, but he's been a quarterbacks coach or an offensive coordinator or a play caller under uh, Romeo Cornell and Brian Dayball under Mike McCoy and Adam Gaze. And so he's got this really, he's, he's almost similar to like Shane Steichen where he doesn't really fall under one tree. And because of that, he's got a lot of different experiences. And I think that's kind of paying off with what they're doing with Trevor where, you know, um, he still is um, kind of struggling under pressure, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, but they're doing a lot of smart things in terms of rolling him out, in terms of RPOs, in terms of quick releases. And then they're taking shots to Marvin Jones and Zay Jones whenever they can. So um, it's really weird to talk so highly of a Jacksonville Jaguars coaching staff because even when they made the AFC Championship game, it was like, well, this is just kind of your defense is like a top two or three defense. You're getting a ton of turnovers. Uh, but this, this coaching staff uh, is off to an outstanding start so far for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, and I, I think the thing that they've really been able to unlock a little bit with Trevor Lawrence is kind of not not to this extent, obviously, but a little bit of that Mahomes factor where it's like, OK, you know, we're going to take the explosive opportunities when we get the chance, but we're also going to go underneath. Right. Versus I think the Jaguars offense last year was just very 
one dimensional, <laughs> you're right. Uh, if something doesn't work, then, you know, it's kind of, you know, dead. Um, obviously, there are additions to that, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, and Christian Kirk, um, getting Travis Etienne back, like, of course, all of that stuff helps. But I think it's just from the top on bottom, like they're just more sound offensively, clearly more sound defensively as well. And and that's why definitely you can't look overlook this opponent, even though the roster is obviously not quite where the Chargers are. Yeah, and in terms of their offense, right? It's not like they, it's not like they have a great supporting cast around Trevor Lawrence. I think they have a fine offensive line, but Christian Kirk is your best receiver, and Evan Ingram is your tight end one, and you know Zay Jones and Marvin Jones are kind of your outside guys. So it's kind of a hodgepodge group of uh, skill players, but Doug and Trevor are uh, making it work. So um, I think it's going to be a, a, a very interesting season for them. Obviously, the rest of the AFC South is. Not exactly off to a hot start this year in, in any capacity. So I think the Jaguars could certainly uh, end up surprising a lot of people. Uh, quick shout out, of course, to Tyler's mom, Mama Shun, for the big uh, super sticker. Always appreciate that. Um, all right, Tyler, let's uh, dive into... <laughs> I love all the, the kitten pictures today. Uh, were you just in, in a kitty cat mood today, I guess? No, it's the Jaguars. <laughs> I'm not in a kitty cat mood. What is <laughs> big kitty cat guy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> all right Tyler, let's uh let's dive into these uh free agency departures and additions yeah so they spent a lot of money they spent 175.3 million dollars in guarantees i believe that set the record not great um but at the same time the returns have been great um they did overpay probably for some guys but it is kind of working i also want to point out that they did sign a couple years ago ray sean jenkins so he is still there obviously not a new addition but Something to keep an eye on because the Chargers are cursed playing former uh, players. So there's that. <laughs> Brandon Scherf, a big one. I am going to butcher some of these names. Foyasad Olukun, the linebacker. Um, I put an asterisk there because this was a place that Kaiser White did receive interest from. Didn't go there. Um, they obviously signed Olukun before Kaiser White signed with the Eagles. And then they drafted both um, Devin Lloyd and Chad Muma. So there was, in, there was interest there for something like Kaiser White. Faleronsu Fotokasi, a guy that the, we kind of projected to the Chargers a couple of times. If it weren't Sebastian Joseph Day or Raheem Hicks, maybe that guy. Um, and then Christian Kirk, an asterisk there as well, because I'm not saying they were interested in him, but the Chargers did do numbers on what a contract could look like for a Christian Kirk. Now, of course, they pretty much wanted Mike Williams the entire way. We know that. But sometimes you got to do work and your homework on other guys around the league. Christian Kirk was certainly one of them. And then some other additions around there, including Darius Williams uh, from the formerly of the Rams, if I'm not mistaken. So some guys that maybe we wanted on the roster, some guys that we were interested in, some guys that maybe the team was interested in or some connections there. Pretty good players overall. Departures, just kind of roster turnover. Uh, Miles Jack, DJ Chark, AJ Can, Andrew Norwell, Taven Bryan, Josh Lambeau, and Bar Hopping have all departed. And the Chargers <laughs> are... <laughs> and, the ja and the Jaguars... Uh... You know, look better for it. So a lot more talent in the building. Um, I was surprised Miles Jack ended up being uh, leaving, but, you know, it is what it is. So I think they have a really good, solid set of additions. It did cost them a lot, but the team does seem better for it. Yeah, I think you're talking about a lot of their uh, best players when you're talking about these additions on here. So, um, you know, Foyasad, Aluakon, I think is how you say that, and Fuluron Zafatukasi. Certainly been uh, as advertised in terms of run defense. Aluokan, I believe, is uh, the top linebacker in run stops and run top, run stop percentage mm -hmm. um, as of right now. And Christian Kirk, who 
uh, we'll certainly talk about uh, throughout the show. I'm sure I'm sure is top ten in receiving yards right now. So um, a lot of uh, key veteran additions there. Yeah, I mean, you lose someone like Bar Hopping. I mean, he was one of the best <laughs> tight ends at Ohio State. Um, really just got around the defense like that. So um, I think that, uh, you know, people clown on them for paying Christian Kirk the amount that they did. But, I mean, even through the first two games, you've just seen that their offense has been quite a lot better with what they're doing uh, with him. Just, you know, Arjun posted clips today of just like them bringing him out of the backfield, running some routes. Um, and he's just been an immediate improvement for them. Did they overpay for him? Yeah, probably. But if you can just get a wide receiver like that with Trevor Lawrence, who's on a rookie deal anyway, then maybe that deal's not really that bad, right? For you know someone you're probably going to have for you know three, four years. Um, I think that the immediate upgrade that he provided, even though clearly wasn't worth that money, uh, I still think was uh, a net positive for them, and that's shown itself for these first two games. Uh, and then, yeah, you get to Fadakasi, even someone like Evan Ingram, who they might have overpaid a bit as well. Um, just a welcome addition on the offense, even though he's probably not like a top end tight end one, but just better than what they had before. Um, and so I think that's just been the theme of the offseason for them. So uh, overall, like pretty good free agency, even though they guaranteed a lot of money, obviously a lot of big contracts. But you can just see, even through these first two weeks, how everything has been a real like net positive for them, how these contracts will work out long term. I don't know. But if you're just talking about trying to do the best and, and trying to win the AFC South in 2022, then I think a lot of these contracts have provided a lot of positive value for them so far and will throughout the rest of the year. Um, a division which it seems like they have a real chance to win now, considering how the Titans and the Colts and Texans are kind of going by the wayside. So maybe this really is kind of the Jags division as well. Yeah, super just uh, not inspiring uh, start by the rest of the other teams in this division. Um, to your point about Christian Kirk, though, like did they overpay at the time for who he was? Yeah, probably. Um, but if he's going to put up these kind of numbers, man, like he's I think he's currently on pace for like 1,200, 1,300 yards and, and six or seven touchdowns. Like that's that's fine in terms of your price tag for your number one receiver. Um, they're using him in, in a in really a lot of smart ways, you know, Nate Tice did a great breakdown of, of his uh, touchdown catch this past week where he was essentially working out of the backfield, which Arjun was kind of talking about all, all weekend uh, and did a, a Texas route out of the backfield. So um, really smartly using him. And I think he's putting up the numbers to kind of justify his contract so far. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll, I was going to save some of this stuff for later, but listen, he's, seventh yards uh in the entire league he's seventh in yards after the catch per reception ahead of jefferson hill chase adams and those guys he's got two touchdowns last week i'm not saying he's going to be a number one receiver or number five or top 10 receiver in this league or whatever but they're getting their money's worth right now almost 200 yards i think in two weeks it's about as good as you can get yeah, I was gonna. I I don't know if we have the same thing prepared, but uh, definitely featured <laughs> in my preparation as well. Um, all right, we'll get to these rookies. Uh, you know, Alex got to talk about his guy, Doug Peterson. I get to talk about my guy, Devin Lloyd. It was uh, almost like I designed it this way. I don't know. Um, of course, they start off the draft uh, with a big surprise in Trayvon Walker, uh, also drafting my guy, Devin Lloyd, in the first round, and then they get Luke Fortner, Chad Muma, Snoop Connor, Gregory Jr., Monteric Brown. Uh, to round it out junior and brown are essentially 
uh, not really playing a whole lot. I think Gregory Jr. is is working kind of as their gunner. Monteric Brown is currently on the practice squad. Have not seen a ton of Snoop Connor uh, as well. So this is really kind of a four-man draft class in terms of evaluating it for the future. Um, and obviously it will be remembered as 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 well as Trayvon Walker is does down the road. So um, the numbers are not super impressive right now for Trayvon Walker. Um, you know, he's only got a win per pass rush win rate of around 8%, um, which is definitely not super great. He's, he is getting a decent amount of pressures and hits on the quarterback. That seems to be primarily from uh, stunts and games and things like that. That sounds However, he is looking really good in the run run game, uh, supposedly, which, again, that, that's who we knew that Trayvon yeah. Walker was. They drafted him to be a project. He is playing as expected at this point. Um, I mean, there was a ton of concerns about Devin Lloyd. I'd never understood that. Of course, I'm fully biased. Uh, but he has also been as advertised in the opposite direction. He leads the he leads all rookies in tackles, run stops, and he's got two pass breakups and interception and is currently allowing a passer rating of 48.8 when targeted. So uh, my guy Devin is is balling, man. Like you're you're gonna see him all over the field on Sunday against the Chargers. They're using him in a semi-hybrid pass rusher role from time to time as well. They'll bring in Chad Muma sometimes on third downs and bring Devin Lloyd up to the line of scrimmage. Uh, he's got about 15 pass rush snaps so far this season. Uh, some of that is blitzing. Some of that is as a legitimate edge rusher. So uh, you'll see Devin Lloyd everywhere. Uh, and he's wearing number 33, which I kind of hate because he's a linebacker, but it is what it is. Uh, Luke Fortnor is their starting center. So you know, they've got three starters right off the bat in this draft class. Uh, Fortner's right in the middle of the pack in terms of pressures allowed. Uh, however, he is kind of a bottom tier run blocker, at least according to pro football focus. And then Chad Muma, he's kind of playing like a, a very similar role to like Drew Tranquil's rookie season, where, like I said, he'll get some third down snaps from time to time, mostly in coverage. He's primarily playing on special teams. So he is contributing, but not starting at the level of the other uh, three players before him. So um, like the Chiefs, you'll see a lot of these young players early on in this game. And, you know, Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, Luke Fortner, obviously all very uh, paramount to the Jaguars' success going forward this year. Yeah, really pretty solid group for the first four. Couldn't say anything about the next three because I just didn't watch them. But again, you know, second week in a row, the, the, the opposing team has a group of guys, you know, one, two, three, four, their first four, maybe even five picks that are contributing right now. Not that Fortner's, you know, amazing right now. Not that Trevon Walker's playing like a Aiden Hutchinson or whatever, or, um, Oh gosh, Michael Parsons did with the start of his year, but you're getting guys that are contributing in your rookie class. You're combining that with a pretty solid free agent class. Pretty good group overall. I can't wait to see how they do. Yeah, I mean, I, I still sort of have the belief that they probably should have drafted Aiden Hutchinson. <laughs> um, I think that's something yeah, they're going to look I back agree. on and be like, I don't know, we passed on that. But I, I think Javon Walker's shown the flashes of like what you want to see from him so far and just what he's doing with his sheer size and ability, both in the Commanders game and in the Colts game as well. Um, you know, racking up QB hits. And I think the rest of it will, you know, the more consistent pressures, the more consistent pass rush, I think the Jaguars believe that that will come with time. Um, and he's already, you know, a pretty solid run defender um, himself. So at this point, um, I think I like the Trevon Walker pick, even though, you know, probably would have taken Hutchinson, but I think he'll be fine. 
Uh, and then, of course, yeah, Devin Lloyd is going to be all over the field. And then, you know, you're going to have Luke Fortnor as your starting center. Muma at linebacker, um, just real four real solid contributors. Um, shame that JT Woods and Isaiah Spiller can't see the field right now. We'd like to see them contribute in some way. Um, and that's kind of why the Jags and Chiefs draft classes make me a little jealous. Uh, but it is what it is. And, you know, I'm just glad that other teams are getting value out of draft picks. I don't know. <laughs> I, I would, I mean, I will we'll have to wait and see about Trayvon Walker, right? Like, I don't think the Jaguars drafted him uh, to be an Aiden Hutchinson type right away. But I think if they had Aiden Hutchinson this year, then I think you're talking about a, a, legitimate, a legitimate playoff team because of the impact of their two pass rushers. So Josh Allen is fine. I, I wouldn't say he's like a star player or anything, but he's he's kind of in, the, in a very similar vein as like Uchenna and Wosu was for the Chargers last year. And then Trayvon Walker, I think again, you, you're you're looking for the flashes, you're looking for the the dominance in in terms of his traits, and so uh, we'll see there. And you expect him to be a good run defender, and he certainly has. Mm-hmm. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so we uh, cover the Jaguar side of this pretty extensively. Uh, we normally start our Chargers coverage in terms of uh, previewing each week with the victory formation segment. We'll do that next. I do want to talk about just kind of the expectations surrounding the offense and, and what they potentially will do uh, if Justin Herbert plays, if he doesn't play, and what that would mean for Chase Daniel, uh, who we do expect to be the starter in case Justin Herbert is unable to play. So um, Alex, we'll start with you, man. If Justin Herbert plays, what kind of adjustments are you expecting from this Chargers offense? Um, I mean, the big one, and, and this is also kind of going to be like key to win the game for me in some ways, just you have to get the ground game going, right? They haven't been able to do that the first two weeks, really in any meaningful capacity outside of a few Joshua Kelly runs. Um, and so if, especially if Herbert is injured, or even in the case where Herbert doesn't play, well, especially in the case where Herbert doesn't play and you have to go to Chase Daniel, then you just have to get the ground game going because Chase Daniel is not going to throw you into a football game, right? So I think that that is sort of the reality for the Chargers. Um, as far as like adjustments, you're probably not, you know, doing as much stuff where Herbert is like rolling out to his side and like even as pressures are coming in, he's, you know, just avoiding them and making these like great throws. He probably has to stand back there and be a little bit more uh, of a statue in the pocket, unfortunately. 
um, you know, with that kind of rib cartilage injury that he does have, I do think his mobility is going to be a little less. So you probably, as much as people have hated the Joe Lombardi, like quick time saying stuff, you probably kind of have to do a lot more of that now. Um, even though people, it's, you know, it's going to get worse and worse, but uh, I, at this point, I, the chargers don't really like have a choice to, to use Justin Herbert as this like dynamic weapon. If he plays at least for the next three, four weeks, um, in the current state he's in while he's recovering. Um, so, I mean, I think the keys are just, you know, making sure that, you know, obviously Keenan is going to be a big part of like the quick passing game if he's able to play. Um, and you know, you sort of just kind of go from there, but, uh, definitely the ground game, just the running game needs to be better. Like I honestly, whether you start Herbert or Daniel, if you're getting 2.2 yards per carry out of your running backs, like it, it just becomes really difficult to win. Right. And that has clearly limited the chargers passing game from what it could have been. Um, I think in the first two weeks, uh, so regardless of who's the quarterback, that needs to be better. But I think you're just going to see the Chargers do a little bit uh, just even more methodical stuff than they have been doing. I think people want the deep shots. They want the deep shots. But um, uh, with Herbert in his current state, then I think that they probably have to dial things back a little bit uh, and sort of play a little bit more how they were against the Raiders than they were against the Chiefs, if we were to put it you know, in that kind of way. Yeah, I mean, part of the whole quick game on top of just they just want to be efficient is protecting justin herbert and now that he's hurt yeah i don't i don't really see how you can throw out those deep shots especially if you're running the personnel that you are we'll see what they do but they seem to i don't know if this is different than last year it feels like it is i know steven has the exact number but they're bootlegging their play action they're running play action a lot more i think than they did last year and at that rate, can you expect Herbert to do that with his hurt ribs? Or at least would you even expose him to doing that right now at this point? I don't think you can. So I'd rather see them you know, lean more on a Joshua Kelly. I'd rather see them sit in shotgun. I'd rather see them spread the ball. I'd rather see them go you know, four wide receivers or three receivers and a you know, tight end or three receivers and Austin Eckler out there or something. Um, I just don't expect them to continue with this heavy play action approach that they've been going with. I think they'll stick with more you know, sit in shotgun and let Herbert decide. Um, we could even go back to the Oregon offense if you want. Just throw screen passes 37 times and maybe it'll work. Yeah. Um, I want to get your guys' thoughts. And, you know, I, I can certainly talk about the play action and things like that. But I'm curious because when I watch the Chargers rushing attack, I see a good scheme. I see, for the most yeah. part, good blocking outside of, you know, getting beat by Max Crosby here and there. Um, they certainly missed out on Parham, the blocker, and that, mm -hmm. that is certainly part of the issues. But uh, how or when do we become concerned about Austin Eckler? Because to me, he looks less explosive this year. He looks like he's forcing things a little bit far too often. Um, I'm I'm not like, uh, you know, sounding the alarm by any means, but um, I certainly think you you should be talking about Austin Eckler as somebody who's kind of been a disappointment so far this season. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Uh, thankfully, he did show us some things in the receiving game last week to go, oh, okay, that looks like he's healthy. That looks good, so I'm okay yeah. with that. But yeah, there's, like you said, a couple of forcing things. Um, the run game, just it, it's just not quite the same. There are definitely flashes. There are moments I can point out in both games where we say, okay, yep, Austin Eckler looks great. Other times, not so much. And I'm actually really surprised about the pass protection 
um, for Austin Eckler and even just some of the decision making in the run game. I don't know if it's rust. I don't know if things just, you know, maybe he's a guy that's so used to carrying more touches that him being in there for, you know, 13 handoffs and, and a couple of catches maybe is different. I don't know. Um, but I'm not ready to be concerned about him yet, but I'm ready to use him more in a role that seems to suit him better, which is as a pass catcher and let Joshua Kelly do his thing. I never thought I would say, hey, let's give Joshua <laughs> Kelly more snaps, but I'm happy to because so far in a very small sample size, he's earned it. Am I worried about Eckler? No, but we're definitely not getting the same guy that we're used to seeing. And maybe that's why they did draft Isaiah Spiller and bring in Sony Michelle because they knew maybe we're hitting a point with Austin Eckler. I don't know. Alex, your thoughts there? Uh, yeah, no, I think that they're, it's sort of an interesting position with Austin Eckler because he isn't old by NFL running back standards, right? But you also look at his usage rates the previous years, right? And the Chargers kind of ran Austin Eckler into the ground last year with how much they used him. Obviously, he got injured, you know, towards the end of the year. Um, and they had a couple games where they needed other guys to step up. But, you know, you just wonder... For, again, someone who's not an old running back, but for someone who is getting that level of usage on this team, how sustainable it is. Um, and so for him to kind of have these first two games, it doesn't concern me yet. Um, I still would need to see, you know, like a prolonged sample size, you know, if we're sitting here three weeks from now and we're talking about Austin Eckler having the rushing numbers that he's had through these first two weeks then I think that you kind of sound the alarm um, both regarding, you know, some parts of the offensive line, some parts of the run game. Um, but I do think he'll sort of get back into it. It's also a different role for him, right? Because, you know, there were just so many games last year where he's playing 70 plus percent of the snaps. And you look at the first two weeks, it's like, okay, you know, 49% week one, uh, 63%, I think then week two, right? So there's, I think an aspect of just getting, back to what you know he's sort of supposed to be for you know his own sake and sort of just getting back into the season in general um so i'm not going to necessarily sound the alarm on like eckler's cooked i definitely still think he has a lot left in the tank and a lot left to give the chargers but um there just is that concern in the back of my head about like how much they've relied on him in the past and you know as running backs do get closer to 30 like that this is kind of what happens to them so you just wonder if he's carried too much of the load to this point. Um, and, you know, that is probably why the Chargers did go get Sonny Michelle, why the Chargers did go draft Isaiah Spiller, who unfortunately, you know, is not playing right now. Um, but yeah, well, I'm just very curious to see what they get out of Austin Eckler going forward and more specifically, if he can kind of step it up this week. Yeah. Uh, Ty said earlier, I guess uh, he's Austin Eckler told Peter King he had been or is dealing with some kind of hip issue. Um, I, that's the first I've heard of that. And I read Peter King's articles every single week. So, uh, I'll have to go back and, uh, look at that. So, um, I'm concerned about the, really just the lack of efficiency as well as the lack of explosive runs from the chargers rushing attack, because Joshua Kelly has two runs of 10 plus yards and that's it. That's the only, the only two explosive runs that the chargers have had in two games. So I see a lot of good things. The, 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 the schematics of the Chargers uh, rushing attack are, for the most part, very similar to what they were doing last year. They've uh, added some twists to their counter game. You know, they, they've mm -hmm. done some like uh, toss counter looks as opposed to just straight up under center counter counter looks. Um, mm -hmm. But there, there's a lot of split zone. There's a lot of inside zone. There's a lot of duo. There's a lot of outside zone. 
So for the most part, it's about the same as what they were doing last year. And I think you still have to kind of be a little bit patient. Again, they really miss Donald Parham for sure. I think you have Gerald Everett, who is a serviceable locker, uh, but you're missing a legitimate good blocking tight end in Donald Parham. So uh, I'm not, like I said, not pushing the panic button yet in terms of the rushing attack, but the uh, seed of concern is definitely being there. So in terms of this particular game, I do, if Justin's playing, I hope they are doing a lot more shotgun opportunities for him to be able to kind of just uh, sit back there, read the defense, not have to turn his back. So, uh, so much to the defense. So as, as it pertains right now, the chargers have run play action, uh, drop back looks on 33 of Justin Herbert's dropbacks. That's uh, third most in the league in terms of his percentages. It's 38%, uh, close to 38%, which is fifth most in the league. That is a 13% increase from last season. So, uh, Justin Herbert mentioned in the offseason that one of the things that he was really focusing in on was kind of his footwork uh, in, in as it pertains to play action and just like his feel and comfort level in that concept. And they are spamming the shit out of play action, man. They're running play action concepts at the third most uh, percentage of uh, in the league, which is, is uh, asking a lot of him. Uh, I think he's capable of that, but um, that is a notable change for sure. Oh, man, I had a great question that I was reading the chat. I apologize. <laughs> it's okay. So I, I do hope that this week they kind of uh, crank up the shotgun looks, crank up the empty looks, and just kind of spread the the Jaguars out. If he plays against the Texans, same kind of thing. Spread mm-hmm. him out a little bit more. Give him some easy solutions and, and let him just kind of uh, cash a snap, react, and not ask him to be doing <laughs> 38% of his dropbacks in, in play action. Right. I mean, you don't want him doing that much in play action. And obviously, Justin Herbert himself is probably going to, uh, you know, need to step it up. But I think he's just going to, you know, need to have a little bit more of a 2021 kind of Mahomes Chiefs game, right? Where it's just like you're not taking the big shot. You're not taking the, you know, play action rollout type of play. You're just kind of taking what the defense gives you a little bit. And Justin Herbert, I think, has always been, you know, an elite quarterback uh, since last year, right? Where he's really stepped it up. But I think inside the lines of more is where he has struggled if at all right like the Patriots game kind of last year for example so I just think seeing a Justin Herbert who's you know maybe a little bit less dynamic because of this injury I think definitely the stuff where he just has to kind of get um you know be in focus in the intermediate and short stuff um that's probably how the Chargers are going to have to win this game assuming Justin Herbert does play do you know what his play action splits were last year I can give you time to look that up if you want and in terms of the percentage, it was 25%. And it's now 37? 38. 38%? Hmm, interesting. I'm curious if this if they make the change and they run less play action, is in shotgun more. I'm curious if that shows us anything potentially new. I don't know. If maybe the chart, like, it just works. Maybe it just works. I don't know. I feel like they ran a lot of that against the Eagles, but I could be wrong. Um, I, I think it kind of works. Like you spread your guys out. You have a lot of elite weapons. And they kind of shredded the Eagles. Sorry, Alex. Um, <laughs> different Eagles team. Yeah, different Eagles team. Yes, a Kaiser Whiteless Eagles team. Um, yeah, I'm curious to see if this brings on any changes. Yeah, and to your point, I don't think you have to be an effective... I mean, it helps, right, to be an effective running team and running play action. But there's a lot of benefits to running play action at this kind of rate. And again, that doesn't mean 
you are always dropping back under center and taking a seven step drop back. Like a lot of play action attempts come out of, you know, run pass option looks. Some of them do come out of shotgun. I wish I had that uh, specific split, but just because he has a high play action rate doesn't mean you're asking him to do seven step drops all of the time. So mm-hmm. um, the better the Chargers rushing attack becomes, the, obviously, the more effective uh the play action becomes and if you want the chargers to be more explosive i think you want them to be in that high rate of play action because it just makes things easier from a cover standpoint allows your receivers your tight ends to work the middle of the field at a higher level uh as well as the intermediate parts of the sideline so play action is a good thing it's just asking a lot of the offensive line the backs the tight ends to block and for justin to be able to make quick decisions quick reads I do think that this team has the has the pieces to have this kind of offense. So um, it, it just in this particular game where Justin is limited, I think you need a lot more shotgun, a lot more easier answers. Um, you can take explosive chances when you can, if he's able to do that. Um, but I think you really have to kind of simplify this offense and, and, and again, just give him easy answers, easy throws, and not put too much stress on him if if he's as unhealthy as I think he's going to be for the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I should have looked this up. Do you know what defense the Jaguars run? Uh, so their uh, defensive coordinator is a Buccaneers disciple. So it's a lot of uh, mm. three, four is their base is their base front. They do blitz quite a lot. Not as much as yeah. <laughs> not as much as Todd Bowles does, uh, but there is a good amount of uh, blitzing happening in Jacksonville. Gotcha. Okay. Good to keep an eye on. All right. Let's uh, get this cranked up a little bit. We've already been talking for 38 minutes. So, uh, victory formation, Tyler, we'll start with you. Uh, I think aside from Justin Herbert or Chase Daniel, uh, what do you think has to happen for the Chargers in order to uh, secure a victory on Sunday afternoon? Partially related to the quarterback, of course, but not because I want them to change the quarterback, but I want them to change up their, their personnel. And I think, you know, Steven, you mentioned on Twitter, I kind of watched the KC game and the Raiders game and gridded Mike Williams. Um, Arjun posted it earlier today. The Chargers are just not getting separation because they're sticking with guys who can't separate versus man with Keenan Allen out. Now, maybe that's just, I mean, listen, is it wrong to go with Mike Williams and Josh Palmer to start the year? No, not at all. But I think at this point with what we're seeing, you need to make a bit of a change, I think. Not bench anybody by any means, but make some sort of change because Mike Williams unfortunately is not a good route runner and i watched them all last year and everything you see i think it was two-thirds of his production were on go routes and crossers and screens because he is not a good route runner and that's okay he was a not good route runner all the way to a career year and 20 million dollars a year because he's good at other things but in terms of being a route runner and trying to separate that's just not him so if you're not a good route runner, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, through the first two games, he has not caught a pass on a corner, a post, a dig, an out, any of that, a slant. I believe, for the most part, it's go or crossers, but I'll double check that. So if you can't get him to do that, what are you going to ask him to do, right? You have to ask him to win with his athletic profile. So that's curls, you know, curls and comebacks because he's a big guy, and crossers because he's got that long stride, and then inefficient, you know, go route and fade. So if he's not running on you know anything else, you have to run those things and maybe take an occasional shot. And that worked against the Chiefs, but that's not like sustainable. And then suddenly, you know, in like the last 40% of the game against the Chiefs, he just disappeared. He was gone because you can bracket that or you can scheme around that or whatever. 
But if you're doing that for Mike Williams, then you have to use Josh Palmer to try to get deep. Okay, let's see. Mike Williams is better at these things. So you know what? We're going to run curls. We're going to run crossers, whatever. I'm going to try to get Mike Williams open that way and get him involved. And he was. So let's use Josh Palmer deep. But Josh isn't separating either. You know, there was a point last year where Mike Williams and Josh Palmer were like bottom tier. Like, I mean, like literally the bottom tier in separation versus man. I don't know how that held up the rest of the year, but, you know, you really can only use those two guys in, in your short and intermediate or just pray they have this body type to win out down the field. And both those guys were using top seven and go ball right last year. But that's like kind of it right now. Josh Palmer has been a bit of a disappointment. Mike Williams has been what we expect him to be, which is good at something, just not great at others. So that you do that, you take Jalen Guyton completely off the field for some reason, who's not really great versus man. But if you want a field stretcher, he can at least do that. You know, you, you got to get him involved in some way at some point somehow because your other two guys are not winning down the field and no one else can win down the field like Keenan Allen, who's also been out. And hopefully he's back, so we'll see. The only guy who's really been clicking consistently is is DeAndre Carter. There's just... Not, not that he has like some crazy you know stats or anything, but there just seems to be an understanding of 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 leverage, of blind spots, ball trafficking. Um, he's got speed. He does have a bit more route running to him. Yeah, the other two main guys just don't have right now, and he's far out in front of Williams and Palmer in your efficiency stats and whatnot. And he hasn't dropped a pass. He caught his one contested catch so far. So, you know, to me, it's my long-winded way of saying you have Williams, you have Palmer, and I think they're good at maybe what they can do. Williams is great at what he's great at, but they're just kind of limiting the cap on your offense, Ross. I think you need to see more Jalen Guyton. I think you need to acknowledge that Palmer maybe needs to have his snaps reduced a little bit at this point to get Guyton on the field more, to give maybe DeAndre Carter more run. And at this point, I, you know, Justin Herbert with this injury, yes, when he's healthy, one of the most talented, accurate quarterbacks, he's incredible the throws that he can make, particularly to a Keenan Allen. But when you're hurt like this, the margin for error is kind of smaller. And when you have guys who can't separate, it's really small. You need to find guys that can make it a bit easier on Justin Herbert. Like maybe, oh gosh, my rib just seized up at that moment or I'm in pain or something. But they got open enough where they can make it work with a bad ball placement or whatever. I don't really know that Mike Williams can do that unless it's a jump ball opportunity, maybe a curl. I don't think Josh Palmer is there right now. So I want to see them use Jalen Guyton more. I want to see them use a bit more DeAndre Carter. And then for the love of God, keep Isaiah Spiller active. I don't know why you're doing this. Just let, use him. He's a weapon. If anything, it's another short, easy thing that Justin Herbert can do. So to me, the, the keys to victory of this game are to change up your offensive personnel just a bit, particularly when it comes to separation, because you're not getting that right now. And you're definitely not getting that if Keenan Allen's not playing. Yeah, I mean, to add to that point, I don't even know if it's just about separation, but just they're playing with three wide receivers right now, minus Keenan Allen, right? I mean, they're not putting Guyton out there on the field very much at all. So last game, they played 90% snaps for Mike Williams and Josh Palmer, 65 for DeAndre Carter, right? Like, And I don't even think that's like, okay, these guys aren't separating, but it's like they're going to be gassed by the end of the game. If you're playing two wide receivers, 90% of the snaps, one of them 65, and you're just not using your other receivers, right? Um, even on a smaller thing like the, the Gerald Everett incident where you know he's clearly gassed and they didn't have Donald Parham last game and they couldn't get him off the field, right? I just think using more guys, more personnel, uh, and just subbing in guys and using what you have on your, you know, 46-man roster on game day, right? Um, I think that that's just what the Chargers kind of, like, have to do, right? So, for me, 
Um, I, I just think the big problem personnel wise, not even specifically, uh, you know, talking about the guys and the snaps they're playing. I'm not even saying Palmer snaps should be reduced, but just like you got to get more guys in there or otherwise like Palmer and Williams and Mike Williams was pretty exhausted in the second half. Uh, and I, I think his production kind of showed same was true for Josh Palmer throughout the game. Um, I, I just think that that's going to be a problem if, you know, you are running with, you know, three receivers minus Keenan Allen potentially for this game as well. Um, same kind of with the running backs who get worn down over the course of the game. Uh, so for me, um, yeah, I, I just would like to see a more efficient use of personnel, especially since, you know, all offseason we talked about like just why they should keep each guy and then they're not playing Jalen Guyton, which is weird. Um, so for me, yeah, we're not playing Isaiah Spiller, who you spent a very high day three pick on. Uh, so I, I definitely think the personnel does stick out to me. Yeah, absolutely. I think this again, this is all about making this game easier for whoever your quarterback is. And if you are rolling with the same kind of game plan against the Chiefs, it's it's just going to make things so much harder. And Brandon Staley has said that they will be hunting explosive passes, explosive plays all over the place. And yet that game plan that they had last week is the opposite, right? They were not hunting explosives. They were just trying to, um, it's you know, wind the clock and, and keep Mahomes off the field. And, and it worked to a certain extent for sure. Um, but I, you, you cannot say that you are hunting explosive plays and then have your only speed threat on the sidelines except for blocking apparently for DeAndre Carter. So shout out to Jalen Guyton, man. I think he absolutely deserves props for the way that he came in and blocked for uh, those swing passes uh, because that is certainly not an easy task to do uh, regardless. Um, Really quickly about DeAndre Carter. I'm sure Alex is going to love this. So uh, DeAndre Carter, let me filter out the tight ends. Hold on one second. And the running backs. Sorry. Um, if you filter the uh, the statistics on Pro Football Focus to receiving yards, uh, DeAndre Carter is currently 31st in the NFL uh, with more receiving yards than Amari Cooper, Deontay Johnson, Marquise Brown, C.D. Lamb, Brandon Ayuk, and Elijah Moore, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Adam Thielen, just to name a few. Y'all, y'all thought I was joking when I said wide receiver three A. Yeah, y'all didn't take me seriously. He's wide receiver three A. Uh, in, in all seriousness, I do think that they absolutely need to add more of a rotation to this group because you're just—it's just not sustainable. You're asking these guys to play ninety percent of the snaps is, is just not going to work. Um, all right. In terms of uh, my key point here for victory formation, I need to see the. Um, supporting cast, if you will, of Chargers players play up to what we are used to seeing. And in this category, I'm going to put Matt Filer. I'm going to put Sebastian mm-hmm. Joseph Day. I'm going to put Nisker mm-hmm. Adderley. I am going to put Sony Michelle, even though we're not necessarily used to seeing a ton of him from the Chargers perspective. Um, you could put Trey McKitty in this category as well. All of these players have really gotten off to a slow start. And in particular, you're talking about uh, left guard who was really your your rock up front outside of Rashawn Slater and Corey Lindsay, somebody that this team uh, really spoke highly of every chance that they got. So, um, you know, five pressures against the Chiefs to a certain extent. And Chris Jones, I can kind of understand. Um, 
there's no Chris Jones on the Jacksonville Jaguars. All due respect to uh, Foley Runzu Fatukasi. Uh, he's not Chris Jones. So I need to see Matt Filer bounce back in a big way. Sebastian Joseph Day, I don't think has been bad. I think he's his film is good, but it's not been showing up in the way that I would have thought heading into the season. Um, Trey McKitty is supposed to be a really solid blocking tight end. I thought he took a lot of positive strides last year to prove that he was going to be that guy and he has had some rough rough moments so far this season Mm -hmm. again you're asking him to do a different role because donald parham was usually kind of the guy next to the tackles and he was kind of the one setting the tone he was the linchpin and trey mckitty was kind of the supporter to donald Mm -hmm. parham now he's the guy he is the blocker there (laughs) he's the only blocking tight end uh on this roster until donald parham gets healthy so um, he's got to show up and play better. I, I'm not expecting a ton of receiving work for him, um, but I need him to be better. It's talking about Sony Michelle, man. I thought that this signing of Sony Michelle was a fantastic signing because this was a signing that we advocated for throughout the season last year in the offseason. Bring in a veteran guy, um, have a reliable option outside of Austin Eckler, and he's averaging 2.2 yards per carry. Again, some of that is the the blocking scheme. Some of that is the lack of a blocking tight end. But some of that is just his decision-making as well. Like there was a time against the Raiders that I thought he had a clear cutback in a, on an outside zone look, and instead he bounced it to the outside and got tackled for mm-hmm. loss by Chandler Jones, which was like a seven-yard loss. It set the Chargers up for uh, second and 17 as opposed to first and eight or second and eight or something like that. So – this is a very important game for the Chargers supporting players and particularly the, that group that I mentioned. Like, I mean, Matt Filer, I don't think is in any kind of danger of being benched for Jamari Sawyer, despite what people mm-hmm. are talking about on Twitter. But this is an important game for him, man. Like this is you need to kind of reestablish yourself and prove that these guys can, uh, you know, win on a consistent basis. No, that's a really good call. I feel like in the losses for the Chargers, maybe even like against like the Texans last year, where were the guys you expected to be good? And the just the not the stars, but the solid players. All the guys that we stuck in the B category could stick in that, you know, B solid starter category. Some guys just didn't show up. And I'd love to see those guys that you mentioned in particular show up. Um, do I am I benching Matt Filer after he gave up five pressures to Chris Jones? No. Like I'm that's ridiculous overreaction and we're not fixing this run game suddenly because we're going to put in Jamari Sawyer because that actually wasn't his strong suit it was pass protection so I don't really think we're going to stick I mean maybe it works but I'm not going to switch him out to find out the big one to me is Sebastian Joseph Day who again like on film or watching things hasn't been bad but hey man the Chiefs did a really darn good job using Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith against him and they moved him out of the way now yeah, that's Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. That's like, yeah. I don't know, Zion and Corey Lindsley for us. So I understand. But I do want to see a bit more there. Because right now, in terms of run stops, not just stops, run stops, he has zero. And in terms of pressures, he does have zero. So I do want to see him do a bit more. Is it a stats crazy position? No, I get that. But like Jerry Tillery does have a run stop and a pressure at this point. <laughs> I'm not saying they're the same player. But I would like to see this leader of the interior show up and have like a bit more, you know, tackle for loss, more line of scrimmage set, maybe some pass rush in there. 
um, because he's certainly being outplayed by Austin Johnson. And I think Morgan Fox at this point, again, not a bad player, like you said, it's just, I want to see a bit more for this guy that, I mean, he's the guy they spent the most money on for the interior. Yeah. He's a captain of the team. And I think mm-hmm. he, um, to be fair to him, like the chiefs clearly had the the plan to make him the focal point of their run game. They didn't want to make, they wanted other people to, to beat them. And, and, you know, when you're getting just constantly double teamed by Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith and Joe Tooney, that, that absolutely makes things very difficult, but um, he, he's got to be able to be more disruptive, man, because I think Austin Johnson playing better than him is, is great. It, you know, obviously we, we love to see Austin Johnson playing well, but I don't think that's sustainable. You need Sebastian Joseph Day to be a more consistent disruptive force than he has been. Yeah, um, I think you need a little bit more, obviously, than what you're getting from the defense right now with Sebastian Joseph Day and all these guys. Um, I think my key to the game is going to be aggressiveness um, and really just what Brandon Staley and the coaching staff have done on fourth down. Um, You know, I just didn't understand what he was saying last week in terms of trying to pin the Chiefs back uh, and trying to do all that. It just did not coincide with what we saw from 2021 Brandon Staley at all. Now, okay, there's like the point that, okay, we're playing the Jaguars and, you know, maybe you don't need to be as, you know, uber aggressive, but Doug Peterson is a guy who goes for it a lot, you know, sometimes more than he should. He's up, you know, 14, 17 points last week, and he's still taking that fourth and one, that fourth and two, um, you know, in Indianapolis territory, which, you know, led to another touchdown drive for them. So for me, you know, you kind of got to fight fire with fire this game, especially with how the Jags are playing. Now, if you get a big lead, that turns into another discussion. Um, but for me right now, I just have not been thrilled uh, t- about the Chargers' decision-making process these first one or two games and would just like to see um, the Chargers keep the pressure on the Jaguars because they are the better team and they should win. Um, but aggressiveness can definitely swing the game uh, in favor of you know whichever, whichever team takes more advantage of their chances. And it's another chance to also get more momentum right in a mm. sense right if you are uh, a team like the chargers who's kind of struggling to find uh, you know obviously the total offensive numbers are good but just trying to find an offensive rhythm if you get one big fourth down conversion you keep the jags defense out there a little bit longer than it needs to be or a little longer than it should be mm-hmm. then uh, i think that that's just another way that the chargers can kind of get this thing clicking a little bit better so Again, it's the Jaguars. I don't know, you know, how how competitive they're going to be early on in the season here. And the Chargers have the better roster on paper, but I would just like to see um, more aggressiveness than I have been seeing, especially because Staley, you know, has proclaimed to kind of follow the Staley doctrine. And I think, especially against the, you know, a team that's coached by a really aggressive guy and Doug Peterson, I think that Staley kind of just needs to match that energy this week, um, especially if the game does kind of remain close for a while considering the Justin Herbert situation or if Chase Daniel uh, is indeed starting. Yeah, I, I can't remember who, but I, I want to say it was somebody from The Ringer um, posted this graphic of, of win probability lost by being passive or conservative on fourth down. And the Chargers were like fourth on that list. And obviously that's not where you want to be. That's not where Brandon Staley was last season. And listen, like I, I understand everybody's kind of shitting on Joe Lombardi, but the lack of aggressive nature on fourth down is absolutely affecting his ability to call plays effectively. And you look at what happened um, in the middle of the second quarter, the chargers are driving at 17 to seven. You have a chance to, you know, get up by um, at least 13 points, if not more. 
um, whether with what you are able to do on that drive, the chargers get to a third and one and they called a play action, long developing shot downfield. It didn't work. Justin hurt rolls out to his right, gets sacked for a two yard loss. And the chargers punted in chiefs territory. And to me, that shows like where the disconnect is with the fourth down decision-making and how that affects Joe Lombardi's ability to do his job the right way, because there's no way in hell you call a third down and one deep shot, unless you know you are going for it on fourth down. That's just not how people do business in the NFL. Like you call that shot play knowing, Hey, I have this fourth down play in my back pocket. Let's be aggressive here. And let's try and hunt an explosive play. It didn't work. And then Brandon Staley decided to punt. And that's happening three or four times a game. So I'm not trying to, you know, defend Joe Lombardi here or whatever, but the disconnect on the fourth down decision making from Brandon Staley is absolutely playing a role in the way that Joe Lombardi approaches games and calls games. Yeah, it almost feels like a, a top down commitment to winning close games in a bad way where it's like, okay, we have a really good defense. Yes. So let's not go for it on fourth down as much. And let's use big body possession receivers. That way we can run the ball like crazy. So we'll keep it close. We'll win close. Like it almost feels like Anthony Lynn's wet dream. Like we're going to trick and play <laughs> defense. We're going to run the ball. We got big old receivers. You know, we're going to make sure that we don't turn the ball over and we're going to win close games. I'd like to see them kind of get away from that. I don't know what changed from last year. I guess the offense is, is generally the same, but some of like everything around it just feels like now we're trying to make sure we close out these close games rather than just slaughter teams or put up, you know, one more touchdown than we could um, yeah. last year, even though they are four points per game better uh, through two games than they were last year. Yeah. All right. We'll move on here to uh, some of our key matchups as well as our bold predictions. We'll go a little bit quicker here because we've uh, been talking for quite a while. Um, I don't know if Tyler had the same key matchup. I'm going for my key matchup of the Sunday for Bryce Callahan against Christian Kirk. So I assume that was the same one. I apologize. I probably should have uh, messaged you about this. But um, Bryce Callahan, man, has been exactly what we expected after seeing him in training camp. He's been outstanding. Really should have two interceptions at this point, uh, but that's okay. Um, he did not allow a single completion last week when in coverage against Juju Smith-Schuster and Sky Moore and that whole crowd. Um, he's forced three uh, incomplete passes as well. The man is balling. He's putting everybody on notice, mm -hmm. on notice. And the number one receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars, obviously, is Christian Kirk, who is currently running 83% of his routes from the slot. He's not going outside, if at all. Frankly, I feel like he's gone more into the backfield than he's gone out wide. So we are going to see a ton of Christian Kirk, Bryce Callahan, and uh, I expect Bryce Callahan to win this matchup, right? I think he has shown the ability against Hunter Renfro and Juju Smith-Schuster to really compete at a high level in this game. So if Christian Kirk kind of gets shut down, what does that do to the Jacksonville offense where you're targeting kind of Marvin Jones, Zay Jones on the outside, or Evan Ingram, who kind of playing decently so far this season but it doesn't have obviously the uh a shining resume from the past couple of seasons so if bryce callahan can play like he has been and really does a number on christian kirk then i think that really creates a lot of positive matchups for the chargers defense so i do expect christian kirk uh to get the bryce callahan treatment and i can't wait to see it 
Yeah, that was definitely the one. The slot percent <laughs> snaps was definitely the stat that I also wrote down as well. Um, but luckily, I, I, I do show up with more than one of these things just to make there sure we have uh, something. But yeah, Christian Kirk, man, 82% in the slot or whatever it was. He's been pretty good. But Bryce Callahan has been outstanding as well. It's not quite best on best. But in terms of like who's been the best pound for pound DB, okay, maybe it's Derwin James. But still, Bryce Callahan has been pretty freaking good. Uh, and Christian Kirk, at least by far, is definitely their best uh, wide receiver. So going to yeah. be a good one. I can't wait to watch that one. Bryce Callahan's been amazing. And then, again, I have to repeat this as many times as I can. Bryce Callahan has been amazing. And Donald Parham was taking his lunch over and over again in camp. So they're missing Donald Parham. I hope he gets back soon. My matchup was a guy we talked about already. That's Sebastian Joseph Day versus um, Luke Fortner out of Kentucky. Not necessarily that player, really the Jags interior, but I feel like those two might go head-to-head. And frankly, that's kind of the matchup that I'd want or literally anybody against the rookie third-round pick. That's the matchup I'm looking for. I think the Chargers are potentially close to a game where they get run over in the run game. And if Bryce Callahan is Mm. shutting down Christian Kirk, I do think a team that maybe watched the Chiefs opening drive last week or part of what the Raiders were able to do in the second half, I think they're like, hmm, I think we actually might be able to run against this team. Like, how how good is this interior? How good is Kenneth Murray? Like, yeah, their pass rush is amazing. Their coverage is really good. But let's really test this interior, especially if Bryce Callahan is shutting down Christian Kirk. Let's go, James Robinson. Let's go, Travis Etienne. I don't know if Etienne's a good rusher at this point. Um but I'd be curious to see if they do test them. And if they do, I hope Sebastian Joseph Day and really all these interior guys are able to step up. Yeah, um, I'll flip it to the other side uh, of the defensive line here and just say Jags defensive line versus Chargers run game. Um, I, I think that that's going to be a big part of this one, just particularly because somebody like Austin Eckler has been a step slow out the gate. They're not getting much production from their running backs unless it's Joshua Kelly on like a couple of runs. So, you know, I just think the Chargers running back vision has to be better. And they're not going against slouches this week, right? You have Josh Allen, who obviously I think is very productive against the run. Um, you have Trevon Walker, who that at this point in the NFL is kind of his calling card. And Arden Key has been solid, too. So I think that, you know, just... Being able to take advantage of that, um, you, you know, it's not a, a Max Crosby is, you know, defending the edge kind of weak uh, or, you know, Chris Jones uh, for, you know, that, that against the Chiefs last week. I do think you kind of even though the Jags have a pretty solid defensive line and they're getting, you know, good quality play out of it. You just have to be able to take advantage and, and have Corey Lindsley and have Trey Pipkins out there for. Austin Eckler and some of these other guys to take advantage of these opportunities. Um, and especially that's that rings especially true of Chase Daniels playing uh, and you just have to get more out of your running game or if Justin Herbert just isn't able to do some of the usual Justin Herbert things. Either way, I just think they have to get more out of the run game, particularly against this uh, a younger, more inexperienced defensive line. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I should have mentioned this earlier, but I really want to see more heavy formations at this point. If you're trying to establish the run game, um, get Gerald Everett out of there and and get uh, Storm Norton or Jamari Sawyer, whoever your choice is, uh, as that extra offensive lineman and just be able to um, establish the run in some kind of way. So I would love to see that kind of uh, adjustment this year. Um, in terms of Alex's point, you know, you're talking about some really good run defenders for sure on this Jacksonville Jaguars team. Um, you know, they kind of start with, um, really kind of a heavy formation on the, on the interior. So 
they don't have a Vita Vea, obviously, like the Tampa Bay defense does. I don't think really anybody in the league has a Vita Vea. Um, but the, the the Jacksonville front is is definitely solid, definitely stout. Um, one other one really quickly. Darius Williams was somebody that really struggled in 2021 when he was moved to the slot more often because of the way that the Rams defense was working under Raheem Morris. Well, he goes to Jacksonville and he is exclusively playing slot corner for the Jacksonville mm. Jaguars at this point in time. And it has not exactly gone very mm. well. So if Keenan Allen is back, I think Keenan Allen is going to have a field day against Darius Williams in the slot. I didn't realize they were putting him in the slot. That's certainly not what I would have done if we had signed him. So, <laughs> okay, whatever. Yeah, he has he has logged two snaps on the outside and 74 in the slot. Who's their outside corners? Uh, it's Tyson Campbell and um, uh, what's his name? Shaq Griffin. Shaquille Griffin. Okay. All right. Sure. Put him in the slot. Thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> All right, we'll uh, get to some of our bold predictions here. Uh, Alex, we'll start with you, man. What's your bold prediction of uh, this Sunday? Uh, I was just going to will it into existence. Uh, Jalen Guyton, uh, <laughs> more than 8% snaps played. Um, <laughs> but no, seriously, I, I think this is the week they probably try to get him back in the mix. I think they have to. Um, I'll say two receptions, 50 yards, and a touchdown. I would be so happy with that, man. <laughs> I really would. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Mm, pass on me. I, I don't know yet. You don't know yet. Oh, okay, Steven. Um, I, I do think the Chargers run game gets back on track in this game. And I think uh, it happens on the shoulders of Joshua Kelly. So I think that he has really earned the right to more touches. And I think if, you know, the Chargers ever decided to get into kind of a hot hand approach, I think that would be Joshua Kelly. Um, I think they're going to try and protect whoever is playing quarterback. Uh, so I think I'm going to say Joshua Kelly over 60 yards rushing and a touchdown on Sunday. All right. That's a good one. I'm going to go. You know, what? I'm feeling hot with Gerald Everett. You know, last week you know, <laughs> got laughed off the field, but I'm going to go with it. So Gerald Everett leads all players in receiving yards on Sunday. Well, of the two games teams not every every team <laughs> two teams yes they're never going for like 150 and two <laughs> <laughs> no i uh i could see it he played fantastic i know everybody's kind of roasting him for mm-hmm. the interception but um they do not awesome. they're not even in that competition on thursday without gerald ever playing the way he did so um he forced three missed tackles against the chiefs which is already as many as jared cook did all last season Okay, so I don't know if you're joking or if you're actually serious. No, I'm dead serious. Jared, Jared Cook forced three missed <laughs> really? tackles last year. Jared Everett forced three on Thursday night. Ooh. <laughs> wow. Well, that was easy. That one was easy. All right. Um, do we want to do score predictions now or just uh, or wait until Saturday? Uh, we have to see who the quarterback is. I'm not doing a <laughs> score prediction without that. Fair. I think that's totally fair. We'll do score predictions on uh, Saturday then. So um, <laughs> Holden says, as a fi- sign of faith, I'll be flexing Kelly in fantasy. Uh, I would not advise that unless you don't really have any other options, <laughs> which yeah, I, I, so I might pick him up and drop start pick, him. Yeah. I mean, at yeah. this point, you might want to flex Horvath over over Kelly. Uh, but I'm <laughs> saying man, you're guaranteed... that one touchdown every game. Yeah, guaranteed 7.1 points in PPR. Just a one-yard touchdown, guaranteed. 
<laughs> should be fun should be fun all right well uh that's gonna do it for us tonight uh tomorrow afternoon we'll be having uh the more you know segment with a great jacksonville jaguars podcast i'm really excited about this one um we'll have uh chargers analytics with arjun on thursday uh, it's not going to be a live broadcast unfortunately uh arjun does have an exam he has to get to right at the same time as we usually record so uh, he's going to record that tomorrow, upload it on Thursday. And then on uh, Friday, we are potentially going to have uh, an interview with a Chargers player. So uh, stay tuned for that one. And then Saturday, we'll have our usual Q&A and um, uh, game predictions and game picks and things like that. So uh, lots of great content coming your way this week. Hopefully, Chargers bouncing back in a big way as well on Sunday. Uh, Tyler, any final thoughts before we head out tonight? Yeah, you know, I'm looking to sell my tickets, and I'm, I think I'm waiting to see if Herbert's playing or not. So we'll see. I think <laughs> you're doing the same thing, Steven. So I yeah. might see you on Sunday. I might not. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, I, I respect, obviously, anybody that's going to this game. And if I lived in the area, I still probably would be going with my tickets. Um, but if Justin Herbert does not play, I'm not spending gas money and hotel money and driving down and watching that. So, um you know, we'll see. I, I, I'm pretty sure that Justin is going to play. I just don't know what version of him we will be getting. Um, Alex, any final thoughts, man? Uh, no, I mean, just uh, I, I, obviously it's not a must win game at this stage in the season. Um, but I mean, the schedule only kind of gets harder after this stretch of Jags, Texans, Browns. So, like you got to take advantage of these, you know, games to win, which is why I don't, you know, necessarily think you can sit Herbert uh, and you know go from there. But for me, uh, yeah, I just hope that the Chargers kind of come through, get the win, and and get back on track. Even though they they didn't go far off track last week and lost to the Chiefs, but could have been better. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is the important thing to uh, talk about. Still, a lot of games left to uh, play this season. Lots of uh, positive future ahead for this team for sure. Um, all right, that's going to do it for us tonight, guys. Uh, appreciate the uh, chat tonight as well. And uh, if you're listening, please make sure you leave us a rating or a view. We always appreciate that. All right, we'll see you next time.